Hi there, and welcome to the Press Gallery, Edmonton Journal's politics podcast, the Throwing the Chessboard in the Air edition. My name is Sarah O'Donnell. I'm settling into my new job as assignment editor at the Journal, and with me today on this panel is Paula Simon, city columnist. Hello, Sarah. We've got provincial affairs columnist Graham Thompson. Hello, everybody. And senior reporter Sheila Pratt. Lovely to be here. Thanks. Well, there are any number of pop culture analogies that we could make to describe the upheaval underway at the Alberta legislature in just the last two weeks. Game of Thrones, I was thinking, Hunger Games, maybe even just the plain old reality TV show Survivor. I feel like I've seen somebody kick a chessboard in the air in the last week, and now we're just watch- waiting to see where all the pieces fall on the Alberta legislature seating chart. So, Sheila, can you recap some of the crazy things that have happened this week? Yes, well, it was a wild week, and it actually started a little bit the week before with the departure of Doug Horner, as we know, and then Fred Horn, two significant old guard party cabinet ministers from Edmonton. They're gone, and we're joined by three others this week, um, Doug Griffith, Hector Goudreau, and uh, um, Donna Kennedy-Glanz, who was only briefly uh, an associate minister but now, and sat later as an independent. And Marianne Jablonski. Yes, I was coming to oh, Marianne Jablonski. <laughs> so they, they, uh, so it, it, it is uh, a sort of old guard departures there, and there's probably going to be a few more. Mm-hmm. And uh, But then on top of that, of course, we had Liberal leader Raj Sherman in a surprise resignation. I mean, no one knew when that was going to happen, Mm-mm. though it was probably going to happen. And there we have Joe Anglin, <laughs> the <laughs> ever-amusing Joe Anglin, moving for Wild Rose, now independent and now saying he wants to become a Tory. Wow, it is moving the chessboard pieces. Who knows where they're going to fall? Uh, and Laurie Blakeman mutters about merger while Clark, leader of the Alberta Party, appoints a former Wild Roser as executive director in Edmonton. Wow, just where are we today? Well, and, and to add to that too, Chris Labazier, one of the original founders of the Alberta Party, announced this week he's going to run for the Conservatives in Edmonton. Yes, and on top of that, he had even contemplated a federal liberal run in centre. So where is Chris Labazier in this? I mean... Yeah, big tent party indeed, indeed. <laughs> so out it's of the Winnebago party, out of all these many events, Graham Paulo, which do you think was the most significant? I would say none of them are really a huge shock. Actually, I was surprised that Donna Candy Glanz is stepping down. She's a rookie, and I thought that she'd be uh, hanging out a bit longer. She's a very bright, uh, capable politician. But for example, uh, Raj Sherman stepping down. We thought he'd be leaving. Uh, he's been hinting that maybe it's time for him to go just one term. The Liberals have not been doing well under his leadership. In fact, they've been doing really badly under his leadership. I think this is significant because um, even though we who cover this very carefully every day know Liberals are, are in trouble, this really gives a cue to the public that uh, the Liberals now have no leader. And this is going to be... So it will show the, the public Liberals may be not the party to vote for if you're progressive. And it does like, give a bit of a boost to the NDP as being the only maybe viable uh, progressive alternative. Yeah, do we have a sense of, I'm, I'm going to jump to this one first, do we have a sense of why Raj Sherman chose now to, to step aside, like when everyone feels like they're going to be heading into an election? It's a really interesting question because I got a tip Friday that this was going to happen. And, you know, we, we chased all weekend trying to firm it up. Um, so th- th- there had obviously been a lot of talk about this. I mean, some of the speculation is Ross Sherman is under investigation for the most peculiar of reasons, that he allegedly donated too much money of his own personal funds to the party. Hmm. Uh, you know, oftentimes we investigate politicians for taking money. We don't often investigate politicians for giving money. But, you know, as Graham says, hmm. the party has really uh, struggled under his leadership. 
still, he's not leaving immediately. He's said that he's going to stay on until... At, el- as an MLA, as he's, an MLA he's resigned until, as leader. Yeah, yeah, stay on as an MLA until the election, right. which I guess leads to the next question. When be that? Yeah. Okay. So why is all this happening now? Why Why is he doing, why is Raj leaving now? Why are all these cabinet, men, former cabinet ministers, PCMLAs leaving? Well, it looks like a real rush to leave right now because there's a rush for nominations. Mm. And Mr. Prentice wants everybody out the door who's getting out the door. So in the next few weeks... Literally few weeks, he can get a whole slate of new um, candidates in those ridings. Some of them he hopes are going to be wild rosies that he's brought into his cabinet, <laughs> and we'll actually see if that happens, which is another very interesting thing. But it, but it is. I mean, there is normal turnover at an election time. There's normal turnover right now. It's just it, when it's a new leader, but right now it's really collapsed in a very short space of time. And there is this. The added factor is this: how many people in the party are happy with this wild rose? contingent coming inside and some of the people who left like Doug Griffiths says they're not very happy with that and that's an issue that Prentice is going to have to deal with. Yeah, you called a lot of these people mm-hmm. on Monday during what our colleague Miriam Ibrahim described as a new explosion because we're finally like, okay, we're just going to call as many MLAs as we can to find out who's staying, who's going. What were they saying? Like, who was staying and what were they saying about why they were staying and likewise, why are some of the people going? Okay, it's very interesting. Jablonski and Donna Kennedy Glantz were clear to say this has nothing to do with the Wild Rose or Prentice's leadership. We love the leader. He's going to be great. Doug Griffiths said clearly the province is going progressive and the party better head that way too or they'll big problem he was clear about voting against this so there there's an issue around this with some of these departures the ones who were staying on were all quick to say in the Edmonton area and I'm sure it would be different elsewhere that well as Dave Quest said out in Sherwood Park there well this MLA isn't going to be pulled right by those Wild Rose guys and I'm thinking really hmm. and other others were quick to say that they don't think the progressiveness of the PC party will be changed much by the Wild Rose contingent. <laughs> it's an interesting thing for these Edmonton area MLAs who stay who must know that their challenge mm-hmm. in the Edmonton area is going to be holding on. Yeah. yeah, and that their challenge is coming from the NDP and not from the Wild Rose. Exactly. Yes. And, and just to, to just to clarify the point, people who may not be aware of this, we are expecting an election coming up um, to be called in March for April. Mm-hmm. It's supposed to be according to the province's election laws a year from now, between March and, and the end of May is the election period, but we're expecting... Um, Prentice to call the election uh, a year and, early. And do we know, like, how would he get around that? Would he just go ask well, the lieutenant governor nicely? As th- I there's think there's I two ways of doing it. One is he can go back to the, the House, he's a majority, and he can change the law. Or the law has that loophole, like they have across the, the, the country with a fixed election date um, laws where the lieutenant governor in any province, governor general federally, can still dissolve parliament or legislature at the on the advice of the the prime minister or premier because mm. the lieutenant governor has that law constitutionally they can't change that law so parties can go down the hallway talk to the lg and say look there's an emergency right now the price of oil has dropped i need to have a mandate to, to go to the public mm. and the lg is going to say yes which mm. is why the fixed election law was always completely ridiculous Absolutely. and as graham explains in his excellent column this week uh we live in a parliamentary system and not an american republican system and the lieutenant governor has to have that power that's that's the role of the crown so how did prentice react to all these announcements of the various departures those staying those going and i mean do you get the sense that he's the one behind the scenes pulling these strings or are people acting independently well what ha- it's a bit of both um, you saw last time around with uh, um, Redford as well in 2012, 2011. What they do is they put the pressure on the politicians saying, I need to know if you're stepping down or going. 
And but subtly, what can happen behind the scenes is that they want someone to go. They can put pressure on them to, to, to step down. It's all a case of bringing in new, fresh blood to, to give the appearance and to actually make it real that there actually are a new management, is a new team going out there for election. You don't want the same old people. You want new people to come in and change things. And the PCs have been very good at this, not only changing the leader, then the leader actually then forces or brings in change uh, in the caucus. And what we're really going to see and what's really going to be interesting, is, as Sheila alluded to, is we're going to see some hotly contested nominations in a way that maybe we haven't seen in a long time. Those Wild Rose members who crossed the floor mm-hmm. of the Tories are going to face challenges in their in their riding. Someone like Thomas Lukasik, who has vehemently said that he's n- unlike everybody else, uh, uh, you know, who is aligned with him. He is not leaving the party. And, you know, he's going to, f- I'm betting anything, is going to face a, a tough nomination race in Edmonton Castle Downs. It's going to be really, I mean, the, the pre-election is going to be quite a fascinating thing to watch. Mm-hmm. And meanwhile, Jim Prentice on the weekend seemed to be doing some damage control for one of his newest MLAs, <laughs> Danielle Smith. So can, what happened in High River on the weekend? Who Can someone sum that up for us? Well, they went out together, hand in hand, to, to, be, to be the United Jim Prentice Conservative Party. And so that uh, Danielle could apologize to the constituents who are still very upset at her crossing the floor. Mm-hmm. And she is going to have, as Paula points out, a very big challenge in that riding. And the question is, does her uh, nice event with the Premier cleanse her of her Wild Rose betrayal? Because those people out there feel very betrayed. On top of that, of course, he announced that the flood relief must be done in the next few months, which is basically saying, if you elect our uh, Daniel Smith at the cabinet table, you're going to get your flood money. Mm-hmm. It's a little, not quite as blatant as that, but close. And yeah, that's probably going to work. Because he's announced some money to fast to try and invest yeah. further in those claims. Yes. Sev- several million dollars, right, into that project. Okay. Do you think that's going to help her? Does that is that what she needs? Is that enough of a boost for her, do you think, I, to, to get rid of this anger? This is a really Has she good solved question. it? It's a really good question. Because actually, you know, this is the kind of thing they always worried about, that the Tories used your money to buy your votes, etc. Mm-hmm. And now it's happening to rescue Daniel Smith, who used to campaign against that kind yeah, of thing. you know, mm. because we're talking about some very expensive houses in High River that are contaminated with mold that are going to have to be torn down, uh, you know, for, for which there's no insurance. And the question is, you know, how much, how many public dollars do you spend to to mend that to mend that fence in High River? I Gosh, don't. Gosh, I just feel so bad for that. I mean, it's sh- it, I'm not in High River, but to think that there are people still dealing with the aftermath of that mm-hmm. flood is, yeah. is is awful. So how is the whole party reunification going, would you say, Graham, the, with the PCs <laughs> and the Wild Rose? I mean, it, everybody well, loves everybody. Yeah, they're learning now to put a braver face on it. Um, the caucus blew up back in December. The, the day they had that meeting, December 17th, to announce there was this um, floor crossing is when I think um, Prentice got an earful from some really upset uh, PC MLAs thinking, you know, these have been the enemy for, for years attacking us. We want, want to bring them over here, and plus put some of them in cabinet. Um, they've learned now to, I guess, bite their tongues a bit better and um, swallow things. I think that um, in the long term, yeah, it, they, they may mesh relatively well, but of course the question is going to still be how many of these people who crossed the floor, 11 of them, how many will get the PC nomination? Mm-hmm. That is going to be an interesting question in the next uh, few weeks. Yeah, Ele- 11 plus Joe Anglin. Exactly, and Joe, of course, <laughs> but a bit different case. He's yeah. always a special case, isn't he? Anglin wants to run for the PCs too. I'm thinking in terms of, but Joe did not leave the party to join the PCs. He went and sat an independent. Yes. Um, which is maybe a bit more of a, 
uh, a, a defensible uh, way of doing things. Yeah. Uh, also, he's, he's going to be kicked out of the, the Wild Rose Caucus. But the Wild Rose, those, those 11 left, nine left in one day. So I think that's going to be a case where uh, we'll see how many of them actually survive. You know, the question are, is, are they pulling the party to the right? I don't think so, especially if most of them don't even survive to become PC candidates. Yeah. And then they'll have crossed the floor for what? Exactly. For why? Amazing, yeah. isn't it? It you know, is. It's interesting. You know, Graham said a moment ago that the NDP are the only, you know, effective option for people who want to vote for a, a progressive choice, given that the Alberta Party is still in disarray and the Liberal Party is in more disarray. At this point, even if you're a fiscal conservative, the NDP might be your only choice for a viable well, the, opposition. I mean, we should we should mention that in in down in southern Alberta, Derek Fildebrand announced that he is he's the former representative of the Canadian Taxpayers Federation here in Alberta, and he announced that he is going to run for the Wild Rose nomination. I mean, does that show that there's still life in that that party? Well, it's interesting because then the question became, is he going to run for the leadership? And he mm. was very coy about it. And you get to an interesting thing because he technically he doesn't qualify because you have to have been a member for six months and he didn't have a membership because it would have been in conflict with his other job. So he said, oh, he's been told that, you know, very likely they'll give him a waiver because he was in conflict, mm. which then begs the question of Rob Anders, uh, who, has, <laughs> yes. who has very, yeah. very uh, enthusiastically mm. ex- expressed his interest in running for the leadership. And he's a former t- he, Tory oh, not, yeah. MP, member of parliament, yeah, federally, yes. Current. I mean, he's oh, yeah. Yeah, he, he, he's lost. He, he won't be in the next election because he's lost his nomination. Oh, yes. But he's, but he's still sitting he's still as an sitting. MP. So, um, you know, they've told him they don't want him to run and that he can't run because he didn't have a membership. And he, so he's today like, hey, if Derek Fildebrandt can run, how come I can't run? So, you know, for those of us who like to watch, it's going to be really fascinating. And Brian Mason is going to run again. I thought he was done with no, all of this. No, he's been hinting, I think, since he stepped down as leader that he's going to weigh his options. But I think unofficially he's been saying he's quite interested in staying. The NDP needs him. Um, I think, you know, he, he people like him in, Al- in, in Edmonton and Alberta, I think, as well. So I think it's good for the NDP he stays on. Um, and really, well, I mean, if they're going to have a big breakthrough, he doesn't want to miss the fun. Hmm. Yeah, that's yeah. true. And it's one writing they won't have to put resources into. Absolutely. And there's, there, I think it's fun to speculate on where all the votes are going to go, right? Like, if the Liberals collapse, well, they used to get 250,000 votes about per election. They're down to about 125,000. That's a lot of votes that have to go somewhere, right? Mm-hmm. Where are they going to go? If if they go, they may just stay home, right? Yeah, um, they, that is right. They could just stay Because there's the hardcore who love the liberal brand. Maybe they'll go out and vote for liberal again. They'll stay at that 150,000. will just vote liberal again no matter what. Hmm. Um, but it is fascinating to see how it's going to break down because people, are, I think, are becoming, even though we watch it all the time, the public is sort of becoming more aware of things moving as you see more announcements like Raj Sherman stepping down as a leader. Is anyone surprised at all that Jim Prentice didn't seem the least bit repentant about toying with an election while two opposition parties are essentially leaderless or at least dealing with interim leaders? I mean, his comments on Wednesday were, I'm for sure not focused on the circumstances of other political parties. They should take care of themselves. And he also said, I expect other people to do their jobs. And that includes the opposition parties. And I expect them to be ready to speak with Albertans about the details of that plan. He seems like he's just basically <laughs> saying, too bad, so sad. Well, well like, exactly. Yeah. He provoked it, so... <laughs> well, I mean, he, yes, I mean, he blew up the Wild Rose parties. I mean, yeah. you know, the reason the Wild Rose Party doesn't have a leader is because he took their leader. I mean, he didn't He didn't blow up the Liberals. But pe- people from Heather Forsyth to well-meaning people on Twitter have been saying to me, oh, but it wouldn't be sporting. He surely wouldn't call it <laughs> no. a... He would never 
call and it's of course he would. It's, this is politics. This is a this is not a ringette tournament for six year old girls. Yeah. This is this is it's roller a blood derby. Sport. And also I can Hunger argue games is appropriate analogy though. Well, um, he's shown uh, himself perfectly capable of playing in oh, those kind of yeah, politics. It's, it's a blood sport and also uh, he did not put a gun to the wild roses' head and say cross the floor. The wild rose was, was starting to collapse uh, because of him, but they jumped to him first. He didn't go pleading with them. They came to him. You could say he, he, he maneuvered the chessboard such a way they were boxing to a corner, fair enough. But it's not, not his fault that the Wild Rose has collapsed, <laughs> uh, directly his fault. And it's not his fault the Liberals have no leader right now. And, you know, something is politics. And I'm sure if tables were reversed and those people complaining were in power and saw the opposition being weak, they wouldn't care. They would strike while the iron is hot. And it's politics. Yes. Yes, it is. Well, I have to say that I'm not the least bit repentant about moving to good stuff from the gallery. That's our weekly segment where we share something that we've watched, listened to, or read that often, not always, has a political connection. We thought we'd like to share it with you. Paula, would you like to start for us? Sure. I'd like to start with something a tiny bit different. I was listening to The Current this week. Anna Maria Tremonti had an extraordinary interview with two people who are homeless on the streets of Toronto. Uh, Very articulate, thoughtful people. and it was a powerful interview. I actually listened to the first half, you know, in, in the morning in my car when The Current was on, and then I made sure I caught the second half on The Current Review in the evening. So I would really recommend it as an insight. And what was really interesting about these people is that they spoke without self-pity and with lots of insight. You know, Anna Maria said, well, some people are going to blame you and judge you and say it's your fault. And the woman said, well, it is my fault um, in a lot of ways. And so it, it was a very provocative and interesting interview. And um, uh, she gave them time to really speak for themselves. And it's, it's well worth a listen for anybody who's interested in mental health care uh, and, and in social housing policy. A really fascinating listen. Thank you, Paula. Sheila? You know, I last weekend interviewed a most interesting professor in international law, but mostly she's an Algerian, brought up. Uh, in Algeria, came to the States when it got too dangerous there in the 1990s, and she's just written a book uh, called Your Fatwa Does Not Apply Here, about the fight against Islamic extremism in Algeria and other other countries, a lot of African countries. And it's a fascinating read, just to remind you about how um, regular Muslims <laughs> in those countries, in those countries like Algeria, where a lot, you know, Muslim countries fought this extremism for years before we were, it was being exported here and it, and even preceding, of course, ISIS. And it's a very inspiring book um, about regular folks that stood up to them, journalists that were killed, editors that were killed, um, people that ran sports clubs in defiance of the local Islamics, extremists, etc. And, and it's a wonderful book. And I'll mm. get the link for you. That sounds good. What's the name of it again? Your fatwa does not apply here. Okay, thank you. Thank you for that. Um, I'm going to recommend, well, to... I was going to recommend the interview, but I haven't re- finished watching it. Oh. It appeared on Netflix. It's and, on Netflix. And so yes. to recommend it might not be the right word, but f- I'm doing my part for democracy and free speech, and I am watching this movie, which is uh, the movie about uh, these two hapless TV folks going to interview uh, the North Korean dictator and then being assigned to assassinate him by their government. I don't know. It's not the good. But what I really want to recommend is Terry O'Reilly's radio show, Under the Influence. Last Saturday, the the, the f- episode focused on how JF, John F. Kennedy and the U.S. government basically sold America 
on the the spaceflight missions and how the whole they managed to convince people to inject money into millions and billions of dollars into the space program in the 60s and it was really interesting listen for me as to how that happened so i'm going to recommend that it's in two parts part one was last week and part two is coming up so graham how about you and speaking of spending a lot of money um my uh, choice this week is um, the Atlantic uh, magazine. It's a cover story called uh, Why Do the Best Soldiers in the World Keep Losing? The Tragedy of the American Military. Really interesting uh, article about how the Americans, and it can apply to Canada as well, how they tend to lionize their military, never critical these days of the military, support our troops, put a lot of money into the military, not really pay a close attention to what the military is actually doing. And in the Americans' case, and you could argue for Canada, we get ourselves involved in wars we can't win. Mm-hmm. Afghanistan, uh, Iraq, uh, and th- and it's talking about how uh, generations ago a lot more Americans were actually in uniform, Second World War, Korean War, for the Americans the Vietnam War, how a lot more people were actually involved in the military um, and a lot more uh, self-criticism of the military as well. And we've kind of lost that because um, very few people now are, are in uniform. There's a sort of a sense to put all military on a pedestal. The common soldier, they're great. It's the higher-ups, it's the politicians involved with the higher-ups in the military. We end up spending a lot of money on things that don't work and getting ourselves involved in um, operations that don't actually succeed. Really interesting article. Okay, and again, that's in the Atlantic, and what was it called again? It's Why Do the Best Soldiers in the World Keep Losing? Ooh, okay, that sounds really good. That's it for this week. My gratitude as always to Paula, Graham, and Sheila for sitting down with me to gab about Alberta politics. Equal thanks to journal videographer Sean Butts for sitting in here with us and recording a video segment that we will share with you on their website, edmontonjournal.com. There was a request for more, not less, press gallery after we experimented with a shorter length. You can hear we've listened a bit. We're happy. A medium, right? Always in the middle. You can talk to us on Twitter. I'm at SC O'Donnell. Paula is at Paula Ticks. Graham is at Graham underscore journal. And Sheila is at Sheila M. Pratt. You can hear previous episodes of the podcast on edmontonjournal.com slash opinion or through the Edmonton Journal SoundCloud feed. The show is also available on iTunes, so subscribe, and the press gallery will be there waiting for you every Friday when I am done it. I always aim for (laughs) lunchtime, but last week I just got in under that midnight wire, I admit it. We'll convene again next week in the press gallery.